Genesis 1 through 17. In your pew Bibles, you'll find this on page 100. And continuing on to 101 on your large print sheets also. Exodus chapter 20, reading the first 17 verses. Exodus chapter 20, reading verses 1 through 17. Pay heed now to the word of God. And God spake all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, And keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor into all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rest the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long, upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. A beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today we look once again at the first commandment, and particularly at what it requires. So this is now part two of what the first commandment requires. The law, as we looked at last week, tells us whom we are to know. Today we are going to consider it also tells us whom we are to worship and to obey. As you know, there are ten commandments in the moral law. These ten summarize our duty before God. So everything that about your life, everything 
There's not one aspect of your life that does not fall under one or more of these Ten Commandments. That's why, as the Catechism put it, the moral law is summarily comprehended. It's summed up in a comprehensive way in the Ten Commandments. Each commandment requires things and forbids things. And so when the commandment requires something and we fail to do it, we, we are guilty of omission. Sin by omission. When it forbids something and we go ahead and do it, then we are guilty of commission. Now, As we looked at last week, we see that there are really two prefaces here. First of all, there's one. It's the preface by Moses, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Moses writing this, and God spoke all these words saying, we see in this preface by Moses that this is a law of God's own making. It's God's, and furthermore, it is a law of God's own speaking. I said last week, I'll say it again, when God speaks, listen. Verse 2 is the preface by God. It tells us that we are to obey the law, first of all, because God is the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of the covenant, the only Lord, the one who is the I am, but also uh, he is the also because he is the God of the covenant. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He is their God. He is Israel's God. By their own consent, choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua chapter 24. But also he is in covenant with them. We are able to own him as our God, not because we dreamed it up, but because God is the one who established the covenant relationship, and God is the one who then calls us unto that. It's because of divine initiative and divine grace. He is in covenant with us. And again, he showed to them, to the Israelites, a great kindness in bringing them up out of Egypt, but we know that that is a picture of something far greater It's a picture of deliverance from a different kind of slavery, a slavery to sin and Satan, and indeed we might say of death as well. And so it's because God has worked in our hearts, because God has provided the salvation for us, it's because of his kindness to us, We, therefore, not only are obligated to keep his law, but we want to keep his law out of love for him. That's why we say that the law here is actually part of the covenant of grace because it's part of that covenant by by which our sin is demonstrated so we can embrace the gospel, but then also it teaches us as those who believe in Christ, it teaches us how to live. Well, last week we looked at the first aspect of what the first commandment requires, and that is knowing God. And so we talked about the knowledge about God, and we're going to be going over some of these attributes in just a moment as well, looking at them from a different angle. 
but certainly we have to know who God is. We have to know who God is. There are many false gods out there. But God is a spirit. God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. God is the God who is forever existent. God is pure spirit. God is a trinity, and so forth. So we have to have knowledge about God, or we won't be talking about the same God. But then we also have to know him. We have to own him as our God. We, or we could say it this way, we have to have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Well, secondly now today, we want to have a uh, look just briefly at knowing God. We now look at worshiping and glorifying him. Worshiping and glorifying him. I'm going to look at this in four different angles here. So just giving you an overview. First of all, in our minds. Secondly, in our wills. Thirdly, in our hearts. And fourthly, by our lips. In our minds, in our wills, in our hearts, and by our lips. So first of all, thinking on him. Thinking on him in our minds. You see, worshiping God is not a mindless exercise. It's not a mindless activity. We love God with our minds. And to be sure, there are emotional aspects to worship, but we should not be emotionalistic or irrational with regard to it. We worship with our minds. How do we do that? We meditate upon him. We think upon him. We chew over. We ruminate upon him. We, we let our, our ideas about God, we let that marinate, like marinating in a sauce. We, we meditate on that. And so what do we meditate on? Well, now I want to talk once again about those attributes, those characteristics of God, some of those that we looked at last week. We meditate on the fact that he is pure spirit. God is a spirit, Jesus said, or God is spirit, literally. It's amazing, isn't it? It's hard for us to conceive because we are physical creatures. We can't imagine what it means to be a pure spirit, but that's who God is. And so that's part of what we do when we meditate upon him. And indeed, when we come to adore him for who he is, we also, we also meditate on his sovereignty, the fact that he has foreordained whatsoever things come to pass. There are many difficult things we go through in this life. We just mentioned recently, uh, earlier in terms of those who have lost loved ones, ministers and other churchmen who have passed away in the last couple of weeks. There are many sad things. We live in a sin-cursed world. There are many heartaches. There are many uh, trials and tribulations that we go through, physical ailments. But my friends, God is sovereign over all of them. God is directing all of them for his glory and for our good. And part of the comfort that we have in going through these difficult times is the notion, is the, the, the knowledge 
that he is in charge. Because if he wasn't in charge, first of all, he wouldn't be God, but secondly, there'd be no point. It would all be meaningless. But God is in charge, and therefore we love him and we worship for his sovereignty. We worship him in terms of his wisdom. He has all the answers. I certainly don't. I know you don't. None of us does. But he does have all the answers, only some of which he actually reveals to us, but we know he has the answers. We, we celebrate and worship him for his power, for indeed he uses his power for your good. But I could also say we also worship him simply for his power and the, the glory of that and the glory that we see in terms of creation. We worship him for his holiness. He is a totally other being who has condescended to man, who has condescended to our level, far greater than if we look on, on ants on the floor. God, God, the distance between God and ourselves is far greater than our relating or an ant trying to relate to us. God is infinite. And so God is totally other. We also worship him for his justice, for he will never do you wrong, but he is the one who will take vengeance on his and our enemies. We worship him for his justice, for he has loved you with an everlasting love. From before time began, your name written in the life. We worship him for his truth, his truth is eternal. It can't change. His truth is truth. Truth doesn't change. We worship him for his infinity. He cannot be contained. You can't put him in a box. We worship him for his triunity, solving philosophically the problem of the one and the many, but certainly his triunity, his being a trinity, one God, and yet three distinct persons, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. My friends, we worship him for his personality, for he is an infinite God whom at the same time you can know personally. And so we meditate on him and we worship him as we meditate in these matters. And in that regard also, we remember and highly esteem him. Psalm 71 is one of those interesting psalms. Psalm 71. <clears throat> he, um, uh, Psalm 71, uh, verse 9. Do not cast me off at the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. <clears throat> verse 17. O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. And so he's pleading with this, but at the same time, at the same time, he's able to say, towards the end of the psalm, all, verse 22, also with the lute, I will praise you in your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you. 
and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. So the psalmist here is an old man. And as he looks back on his life, all the experiences of it, he is still able to recall God in amazement. And so he remembers God, and he highly esteems him. But of course, this is also for those that are younger. Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember thou thy creator in the days of thy youth. And so in our minds, meditating on him, remembering him, we worship him in our minds. But we also worship in our wills. We choose him for our chief good. We devote ourselves to his service. This is what we read in Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua chapter 24. So verse 22. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, we will obey. And so we worship and glorify him in terms of our wills that are transformed, that are changed when we are born again. We're given the will, we're given the desire to serve God and to worship him. We also worship and glorify him in our hearts loving him. As we sang from Psalm 18, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. I love you, Lord. This is reflected as well in 1 John verse, chapter 5 and verse 2. 1 John 5 verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And so in our hearts then, we, we love him, we adore him, we exalt him, we praise him, we desire him as well. We believe and trust in him. We fear him, not with a slavish fear, but with a fear of awe and reverence at who God is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. My friends, we also grieve for our sins against him in our hearts, do we not? We grieve, that's part of our devotion to him. We grieve, Psalm 38, verse 18 Verse 17, for I am ready to fall and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity, I will be in anguish over my sin. How many times have we had to reflect on that? How many times have we grieved our sin? But how many times has it been just because we feel badly? rather than the fact that we have offended God. And so in our hearts then, we, we grieve for our sins against him as, as we seek to worship him and 
glorify Him. We hope in Him. Psalm 130. Psalm 130 and verse 7. Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is abundant redemption. And my friends, not only do we hope in Him, in our hearts as we worship Him, but we also delight and rejoice in Him. We delight and rejoice in Him. Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. But not only as we worship and glorify Him do we do so in our minds and in our wills and in our hearts, but my friends, also by our lips. For we are to call upon him. We are to call upon him. And we are to speak well of his name. So we're to call upon him in prayer. We're to speak well of his name. Psalm 145, verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. But also in terms of our public confession and profession. Is this not what Paul writes out in Romans chapter 10? In Romans chapter 10, very famous passage, verses 9 and 10. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, where the Apostle Paul tells us, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We confess who God is. Just as, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace? Remember that? They confessed, did they not, who God is. They confessed with their mouths. This wasn't simply a matter of the heart. It was a matter of the expression. And it's because of their love for him and their desire to worship him that they gave that confession. No matter what opposition may arise, so we are called to do the same. And so we worship and glorify him. And now, thirdly, having seen that we should know him, that we're to worship him, we're to worship him and glorify him, thirdly, we are to obey him. We are to obey him. This means, first of all, being careful to please God. Being careful to please God. You remember when Joseph, remember Joseph, Genesis 39, was with Potiphar's wife, and she wanted to seduce him? Remember that? And he said, far be it from me. How could I possibly do this? He was concerned about his offending, not just Potiphar, but offending God. And so when we obey him, when we're called to obey him, first of all, our attitude must be that of wanting to please him. Whatever he calls us to do. Whatever, however, in terms of our lives. Indeed, we are to have a holy zeal, even as Jesus did. The zeal of thine house 
hath eaten me up, even as Jesus had a holy zeal for the house of God as he overthrew the the money changers' tables. We are to have that desire that God be obeyed. And indeed, we are to be sorrowful when in anything God is offended, whether that be in terms of our own actions or in terms of others. Miyoshi, as you know, often asks for prayer for this world, that it would obey God. And isn't that not, is that not what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 119, verse 136, where he says, rivers of water run down my eyes because men do not keep your law. I'm grieved by this. In my heart, I am grieved, I am sorrowful, I cry when I see the rebellion and the wickedness of this world. But also then yielding all obedience and submission to to God with the whole man, with everything that we are. You can't be 50% committed or 99% committed because then you're not really committed. Of course, even as I say that, I recognize we're not, we're not perfect. Matter of fact, this is why the psalmist says, unite my heart, thy name to praise. Unite my heart, thy name to fear. But Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, 23, oh, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind but then, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so yielding all obedience and submission to God with everything you are and everything you have. That's what it requires in terms of our obedience. And in that regard, walking humbly with God. Classic passage, is it not, is Micah, the Old Testament prophet Micah. Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. And verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, the law requires that we know God. It requires that we worship and glorify him. It requires that we obey him. And now I want to apply this in three basic ways. First of all, be sincere in your religious affections. Be sincere. This is your duty. You know, you're going to worship someone or something because you're designed that way. We are incurably religious, as it's been said. But it is a duty. It is a duty. It's a first commandment duty to worship the true God. And in this regard, please note, my friends, that getting it wrong is dangerous. It is fatal to worship false gone. Sometimes you hear folks say, oh, that person was so religious. That in and of itself tells me nothing. 
question is, was it the right religion? Is it the right God that he was worshipping? And worshipping the right way? It is fatal to worship false gods, and it is deadly to be hypocritical, to profess one thing but to mean another. Be sincere. Jonathan Edwards, the great uh, Puritan preacher of the 1700s, you remember the, the sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God? Here are five or six ways. So let me just ask these diagnostic questions which are aimed at me as much as anyone else. Let me ask these questions rhetorically. First of all, how do, how do we know, how do we judge the sincerity of our hearts toward God? First, are we seeking God just for who he is and not for reasons of self-interest? Are we seeking God really for who he is, not for what he does for us? Secondly, are our affections primarily focused on the moral excellency of God, the moral excellency of God, his attributes and his righteousness and his holiness? Thirdly, are our affections accompanied by a conviction of the reality and certainty of divine things? Do we really believe? Fourth, do our affections breathe an evangelical humility, not a false humility, but an evangelical humility before God? Not a, a, a false, which really is usually a prideful humility, but a real humility. Fifth, are they accompanied with a change of nature in ourselves? And sixth, are we not spiritually satisfied, but among those who keep longing for more. If you've come to the point in your life, you say, well, I think I got my spiritual life down pat. you got a problem. You've got a problem. Are you, are you instead not spiritually satisfied, but are you therefore those who keep longing for more, to dive more deeply into the things of God, longing for him, loving him, serving him, adoring him. So be a sincere in your religious affections. Number two, acknowledge that you are called to do what you, in your natural state, cannot do. Listen to me carefully here. Acknowledge that you are called to do what you, in your natural state, in your corrupt nature, cannot do. Our hearts are corrupt. Our souls are dead until made alive by God. Our strength that we are given by God is used to rebel against him. Our minds wander far astray, far away from God's glory and worship. So acknowledge, therefore, and cry out to God for his mercy. But acknowledge this, understand this, that when we read the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, God is telling us to do something which in our own strength we can't do. Which leads to the third point. Therefore, look to another. Look 
to another with a capital A. For Jesus, the God-man, is the one who delighted to do the will of God. Psalm 40, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God, is my delight. The Son of God is perfectly united with his Father in will, love, and knowledge. That's who our Savior is. Jesus Christ was jealous, zealous and jealous that God only be worshipped and glorified. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, Jesus said. And we are met, therefore, at the beginning of this list of Ten Commandments. We are met at the very beginning with the realization of our impotence, our lack of power, but also God's grace and power. To acknowledge his power, holiness, mercy, love, those attributes, to acknowledge those in salvation is essential to having it. To have faith in God is to know and to love him. Jesus Christ alone is the basis of our salvation. We come in Jesus' name because we dare not come in our own. We come in Jesus' name as he gives us the very ability to have faith. But in the very reaching out to God in faith, we indeed are acknowledging who he is and loving him for it. May God give us that grace. May God give us that grace to hear and in faith to obey. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And, O our God, we pray that thy spirit would work powerfully in our midst this day, convicting, convincing, comforting, (coughs) comprehensively bringing us to faith in Christ and enabling us, O God, from the heart to love and obey to worship, adore, and to know Thee, the true and living God. We pray in Jesus' name.